sizzle. Is everybody's problem, we must change our attitudes so we can keep evolving to end injustice. That's the plan and you must understand if you're a man, cause how can you challenge and despise a problem you can't even recognize? And I'm not just talking to the nation of hip hop. Worldwide sexism must be stopped. Street Science, you're on the air. What do you feel when you hear a record like Tupac's new one? I love Tupac's new record. Right, but don't you feel like that creates uh, tension between East and West? All right, coming to you from Morris Media Studios in Lamert Park with veteran radio producer Felicia the Poetess Morris. Welcome to MHD Off the Record. Who you vote for matters and elected officials who understand the culture of your community are more effective leaders. We have a special, special, special guest uh, today with us that I'm very excited about interviewing. Uh, as we all know, the media plays a very, very important role in shaping how we view the world, how we interact with the world, but black media especially uh, has holds that place in our communities and in our hearts and minds. And today we are here with a uh, bona fide media mogul uh, who has uh, been an icon uh, from one end of this state to the other. Uh, and, and in the last really 20 years, a staple in black radio in the city of Los Angeles. All of us uh, at one point or another or very consistently have woken up uh, to her. Uh, either on uh, front page, uh, the world famous front page, and now on KBLA, uh, the first uh, black radio station based in the 8th Council District in the city of Los Angeles, uh, where she is uh, one of the pioneers uh, there. We have the one and only uh, Dominique Deprima, and if I had an applause button, I'd push it right now <laughs> so everybody could hear uh, the, the applause. Again, she's best known as uh, a radio personality here in Los Angeles, but she's also an activist, focuses on issues concerning the African-American community. She bought substance uh, and meaning to radio back in the early 1990s. You remember Street Science, uh, which was a part of one of our city's anthems, uh, To Live and Die in LA. Starts off with a clip from Street Science, so you've all heard that. Uh, in my generation, when I was coming up, it was people like Dominique Deprima who were the influencers in the YouTubes. If you wanted something to be known by the community, if you wanted folks to pick something up, you had to get uh, in the seat in, in the studio on her show, because uh, folks uh, viewed her as a verified authority on, on culture. Uh, and then later on creativity, on health, uh, and on art in our uh, community. And so now she's a radio host for KBLA 1580, uh, famous uh, call numbers for those of us who grew up in LA. And she hosts the morning drive time uh, in the city of Los Angeles. I've been proud to be on the show, one of the first guests on the show, uh, but it's having bang up success all over. Welcome, uh, Dominique. Thank you, council member Marquise Harris. <laughs> oh but you brought me way back to the 90s. Yes. So, you know, I'm thinking uh, Marquise. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, that whoa, guy. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, we're in 2021, <laughs> right. so it's council member Marquise Yes. But thank you, yes. I appreciate that. No, I absolutely. It's good, it's good to have you. And so we started off, uh, that track that we started off with folks, folks may or may not know, that's a track of uh, Dominique uh, doing hip hop back in, again, the early 90s. Um, and that made me realize, like, I don't think I've ever heard your story all at once. Like, <laughs> were you born in California or somewhere else? And how'd you grow up and uh, go to school and get involved in media? So so how did it all start for you? I was born in New York. Okay. Um, my mom is the beat poet, Diana Prima. She mm -hmm. was a poet laureate of San Francisco. And my dad is Amiri Baraka, founder mm -hmm. of the Black Arts Movement. They mm -hmm. met in the village, had oh. me. And... Uh, 
And then I grew up in San Francisco ah, from okay. a very, very young age. My okay. mom came west to get published by Larry, Larry Ferlinghetti. Ah. And so I grew up in San Francisco. Okay, okay. Um, and I did the show Home Turf, which you played that clip. Yes, I haven't heard yes. myself rapping in forever. <laughs> but I was, I was actually rapping at that time <laughs> as a teenager. And that's how I got the job on television. Wow. They saw me okay. rapping at a picket line okay. a union uh, strike where we were oh, wow. in support of the workers uh -huh. um and because i you know right that's I've been, what we do yeah that's yeah. what we do right just like you you've yeah. been an activist since mm -hmm. teenager if not before yourself yeah. yeah yeah no that's right uh starting off on on uh south africa is actually the first thing i went to a uh, picket about and even this was even before mandela had been released from prison or the 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 uh the run-up to that so you're in uh san francisco and you have the television program what brings you to los angeles well i did the television show for seven seasons right um and you got like Emmys and stuff, right? Five Emmy Awards. Five Emmys. The show got quite a few um, accolades. It had a, mm -hmm. an amazing team. I'm John mm -hmm. Fromer and Christina Metcalf, just pioneers of children's television activism. Mm -hmm. And when it was canceled, and I had already graduated at that point from college, mm -hmm. I said, go where the food is. Yeah, there you go. It's LA. There you go. And there so you go. I actually literally got a U-Haul, packed my stuff. Really? And drove to LA not knowing anyone. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. I was like... You know what? That's where the action is. Uh -huh. I'm going there. And what happened when you got here? What did you pursue? Like, uh, what was your what were your targets? I think I panicked when uh -huh. I got here because that I makes sense. what have I done? <laughs> right, right. It was really like another planet, uh, uh -huh. you know, because people here really are different. Um, yes. And I didn't know LA, so I looked at a map and like kind of found the middle. So I moved to West Hollywood, and I didn't know, I didn't even know it was like an LGBTQ plus right, center. Right, I was just like, right. this looks like the middle. Right. Wow. So, uh, but it was okay. Wow. You know, I, I, I worked for a bit in, uh, as a segment producer, working okay. on TV talk, because I was coming from TV, ah. um, hustled, mm -hmm. tried to adjust. Back then, we didn't have Bloods and Crips in the Bay Area. Right. Now we do. Yeah. But I was like, this is like a foreign... Weird thing, yeah. ...planet. Yeah. And yeah. It was hard at first. I, it, To be honest, I hated it at first. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I find that with a lot of Northerners who yeah. come. Well, it's because here people tell you they love you when they can't stand you. That is like, true Like in statement. San Francisco or New York, they'll just give you the finger. Yeah, yeah. Here they're true. like, oh, you're the best. We can't wait to work with you. <laughs> Never calls you back, yeah. stabs you in the back. I just wasn't used to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. That's, that's interesting. So you do the hustle, and then you land at uh, 92.3 The Beat, which right. was like all the rage at that time as a radio And station. ironically, it was Bay Area people. Really? And that's how I got okay. the job. Because Keith Naftali, who was huh. a pioneer of that, came from KML in San Francisco. And I used okay. to appear on his, their shows oh, all the time. Okay. So Theo is from San Francisco. Oh, Theo too. Kevin wow. Kevin Nash okay. was from San Francisco. Diana Steele. So it was like a little secret Bay Area oh. takeover. Oh, okay. And okay. the thing, but the thing that made it work is um, Easy E, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, really wanted to be on the station. Mm -hmm. And management was like, who is this guy? Like, they were very concerned about this gangster guy that wanted to talk to us. Really? And me and uh, Mariama, who was uh, the assistant music director at the time, we were homegirls from the Bay. We were like, Easy E, we well, got it. Yeah, right, 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 right. So they ended up. Right. sitting down with him and giving him a show. You know, it's very interesting that time period. I remember it, um, and and I would be curious to as to your view of this history. I remember that time period because K-Day, 1580 K-Day, AM, was in decline or going off the air. I feel like it went off in maybe 89 or 90. 
and the black radio in LA, the remaining black stations had an explicit no hip hop marketing thing. And so when 92.3, the beat comes on and I, you know, I think that might've been when they started saying this is where hip hop lives. Like it just, it was like a tidal wave of uh, support and you were part of that. And I remember Theo and, and, uh, even our our producer here, the poetess, was a part of that. Yes, uh, part she of that movement. was yeah. part of the pioneering. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, and she is an artist in her mm-hmm. own right. I had interviewed her in the Bay Area when I had my television Oh, another show. Bay Area scene. We you worked, guys are all getting yeah. found out right now. Yeah, that's right. It's all Cali. Yeah, yeah, it is all, it <laughs> I is mean, all Cali. Think about it. You know, Tupac was from the Bay, too, kind of. Kind of, kind yeah. Kind of. Anyway, your point is taken, I... I came to LA at the end of 1994, mm-hmm. and I, when I went to the beat, it was really, um, well, sometime in 1994. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was a white-owned station, yep. but it was the only station that was playing hip-hop. Mm-hmm. We were saying we were true to the streets, yeah. erase the color lines, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so what I was brought in to do was make the station true to those slogans right okay so it wouldn't okay. just be talk so it was yeah so you had real real street cred as i call it now um you er, pretty early on um you involved yourself in the the uh, gang situation so really weighing in i mean the tagline of your show was no color lines uh which was code for all of us who grew up in in la or south la uh, that you were talking about gang warfare. I remember a big truce got negotiated at that time. Also, the gang intervention movement, which I'm you know, very, very committed to and, and constantly beating the door at City Hall uh, around getting formal support for gang intervention and peace work. Uh, you got involved in that. How did you, how did you end up connecting with that and, and uh, what do you feel like you learned from it? Well, understanding LA was my mission when I got to the beat because mm-hmm. I wanted to make us true to the streets really. Mm-hmm. I had a community action department that I led which had an actual budget and staff and we were able to do programs and I, my philosophy was we need to go grassroots. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing against, you know, United Negro College Fund or Red Cross, but what are the organizations that are going impl- to impact a block mm-hmm. or a right. small, an right. area in, in South LA? So um, I was... I met up with Unity One, mm-hmm. and it was in the back of the radio station. It was about 20 guys from mm. all different sets. Wow. And they were like, oh, this is the lady. And they, we sat back there and talked for about three hours. Wow. But wow. they helped me understand what the dynamic was of LA and what needed to be done. And I was like, well, put people on the air. Mm-hmm. We started giving uh, money from the Summer Jam to mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. of gang peace organizations. Mm-hmm. Unity One, American. I mean, there were many, many mm-hmm. groups. Um, but at that time, that was unusual. I remember at the time I tried to get the LAPD, the station, and some of these uh, gang intervention uh, organizations to meet, and everyone thought I was crazy. Right, right, And right. I couldn't make that meeting happen. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. Wow, that's the, and that's been totally revolutionized now because now they, you know, Last year, Snoop Dogg's leading a march into the police headquarters to meet with them. Right, not to uh, mention the yeah. whole grid yes. uh, paradigm where That's right. you know where the intervention organizations work to keep the peace along with lawmakers. Right. right. And, and now you have a situation where in City Hall, you know, there was during the pandemic, you know, there was some suggestion that we were going to cut grid. And, you know, it wasn't just me and, you know, the other black and brown elected officials that were saying something. It was the chief of police saying, you can't cut that. Like, you, we have to have activities going. We have to have people working out there. So it's been a, it's it's really uh, one of the modern miracles in 
Los Angeles and around the country, when you think about, you know, and you talked about 1994, 93, 92, we, in those years, we were having 1,200, 1,400, 1,600 homicides, and that was driven by gang, uh, gang conflict. And now, you know, this year we're probably going to have 320, and we're everybody's screaming about how crime is up. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I mean, that homicide epidemic—if that had kept going, there wouldn't really be. I mean, black folks would be close to extinct in this city mm. uh, because it, it just—it was unsustainable. The number of homicides we were having, and even law enforcement will say what stopped that was the the gang intervention and the peace work movement, along with them. But they really are clear that they couldn't have done it without without, uh, it would not have been done without that movement. So uh, congratulations for, for that. And congratulations for it. And thank you for keeping it going and keeping it in front of people. Uh, Cause it's easy to forget when things are not happening. Yeah. It's easy to, to, uh, to take, that, uh, take that for granted. Uh, you also uh, came along and, and had a lot of history when hip hop made this change from being about you know openly about building a better community, confronting racism, confronting sexism, you know, and all of it, and then kind of changed, uh, and then it would dip back and forth uh, from from time to time. I'm curious about what you think about that, especially given this last year where we had the George Floyd stuff, and right now we have the deal with uh, um, with the sort of uh, homophobic comments of the rapper Da Baby. Uh, I'm, I'm that age. I can't keep up yeah, with the stop. babies Good and the plans. Lils. MHD. <laughs> yeah, the, the notorious Lils. MHD. <laughs> the Lils Good and plan. the babies you, you I can't keep up can, with. You know, you know you can keep up. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he went on a rant yeah, um, sure on stage did. that is not something you wouldn't hear at the park or at a party or whatever. But the community reacted this time in a way that I haven't seen uh, in the past. Or possibly in certain areas of Congress. Right, yeah. I mean, to be honest... Yes. I love that you said, you know, we started and stopped because I feel like it is in cycles. Yes. It is in cycles. We're conscious. We're not conscious. I feel like there's always consciousness and mm -hmm. messages in the music. Sometimes the mainstream media and radio and record mm -hmm. companies let them get through and sometimes mm -hmm. they don't. And uh, it's not surprising that in the era where we elected Trump that... Um, more misogynistic and mm. sort of nihilistic mm. uh, music is at the forefront. With the baby, you know, you, you want, you wish there was a consistent standard. Yes, because, yes, that's right. Um, you know, a, a lawmaker can call AOC out her name on the steps of the Capitol, and he gets to keep his job. But when the baby, mm -hmm. who is not an elected official, says crazy stuff that we don't. Right. That's, right. that's right. That's right. It has consequences. It's it, we. I don't know how you get there, but mm -hmm. I feel like we need to be more consistent. Yeah. Right. We allow the N word. We allow the B word. You're allowed to just downgrade black women any way you mm. please. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we don't accept that um, about other ethnicities, and we don't accept for the most part. Sometimes right. we do. Sometimes we do. Sometimes, 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 Sometimes we do. Yeah, yeah. We don't. We don't accept it. Uh, about mostly for the LGBTQ plus community, mm -hmm. which is new, which is relatively new. Yeah, yeah. But if if the if the standard is respect, then mm -hmm. how do we make that 
consistent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. especially as a black woman. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't believe there's bad words. I believe there's bad intentions. Right. So right. to me, context is everything. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. Um. As I'm not going to say I'm never going to say the N word. Right, I might right, say right, it right, right after right. we leave here today. Right. 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 But it's what am I saying? Mm -hmm, you know, it's mm -hmm. the context. I'm not going to be one of these elected officials that has a funeral for the n-word and then be in the back saying n-word this and n-word that and y'all n-word you know and trust i've seen it there was a funeral for the n-word i missed this <laughs> oh yeah the naacp gave a funeral for the n-word i'm like wow. mm. anyway <laughs> more on that later but yeah. the point is we don't want to be hypocrites right 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 right, right so right. not being a hypocrite to me means it's about context. Uh -huh, We're not uh -huh. stupid. Yeah. We know when mm -hmm. you can say something and when mm -hmm. you can't. We can play dumb and say, oh, it's generational. Mm -hmm, or, mm -hmm. oh, you know. Right, oh, right, right. No, right. you can never say this word. No, it's about context and intention. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, how do we become consistent? How right. do we protect black women? If we're going to protect black, anyone, how do we protect black women too? If we're not going to protect anyone and let artists do their thing, yeah. maybe that's what we have to do. Mm -hmm. And maybe the record labels have to be more accountable for what they're promoting. Right, right, and, right, right, you know. right. Yeah, and it's it's interesting though, because it goes in, it definitely goes in ways. I've been at shows or I've seen things and I'm like, whoa, this person's about to get a ton of bricks and nothing happens. I mean, And then another one I'll think, Oh, that? They're getting in trouble for that. So yeah. could, could, could there be any kind of, could there be a legislation where record labels that profit off of the N-word or profit off of the B-word have to give money to domestic violence shelters or scholarships for black women or something like that? You know, I, I think obviously there could be a law. It's totally constitutional. The question is, what are the politics there to get it? I mean, right, remember, we're right. still trying to get a law passed that holds ammunition and gun companies liable for people getting shot right so, not to mention the anti-lynching anti <laughs> right law, and right. the anti-lynching law oh and by the right to vote by the way yeah. as well so part. yes <laughs> and uh so uh what can be done and and what's possible in this period is is uh are different things uh talk to me now about kbla i'm very very excited about that in the heart of the eighth district right at the right at the the entrance of uh, of Destination Crenshaw, we have uh, KBLA 1580, uh, Black Talk, unashamedly progressive uh, talk radio. Talk to me about how you all arrived at this vision. It, it is really exciting. It's amazing that it's the first Black-owned talk radio outlet west of the Mississippi. I love that it's in the 8th. Mm -hmm. Thank you for coming yes. in and helping to bless the mic. Yes, 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 um, yes. It's, you know, there are thousands of mm -hmm. talk radio stations across the country. 99% of them are conservative, mm -hmm. hard right, um, white owned, white operated, and mostly male, older, conservative white folks. Mm -hmm. And they're shaping the narrative yep. about, you know, our people, about mm -hmm. our elections, about who we should be voting for. They're repeating the spin. We think Republicans are so great at spinning issues. Well, it's probably because they've got thousands Except of top yeah, radio right. stations doing the legwork yeah. for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so it feels exciting to have an unapologetically progressive station, a black-owned mm -hmm. station. It came about because it was Tavis's idea and his vision mm -hmm. to buy a station, Tavis Smiley. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a heavy lift. Yes. And he's one of the few that had the resources uh, and the experience, experience, mm -hmm. ingenuity to get it done. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he recruited me, I mm -hmm. guess you could say. And yeah. um, he's got, he recruited a great lineup of people. Uh -huh. um, it's been a very collaborative process. It's been very empowering and it's been a lot of fun. Good, good, good. And, and uh, when, what was opening day? 
Juneteenth, 2021 Juneteenth, is our birthday. Of course, Juneteenth, right? And you know there's always a Juneteenth party in yeah. your district that's right, right there. That's right. So that's, that's going right. to be our birthday party. Nice. And since you have Destination Crenshaws basically mm -hmm. surrounding yeah. the building, which mm -hmm. Tavis Smiley owns, mm -hmm. we are going to be able to literally yes. broadcast right from the heart of all of these happenings. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited because he said they're going to, you all are going to do some video work and the backdrop will be Sankofa Park in Destination Crenshaw. Yes. So you'll be right between, between Sankofa Park and Lamert Park is uh, uh, another icon for us, KBLA. So congratulations. Uh, congratulations on that. Uh, last uh, sort of lightning round. So I'm eager to hear how you spent COVID. I know you stayed on the air most of it um, and we're, we're pretty consistent. Uh, about it, I, th I feel like I called in a couple times from quarantine <laughs> to the <laughs> radio station. But how did you how did you spend uh, quarantine and, and what did you learn? Well, I had um, already had a studio in my home because uh, I had a very small child at one mm -hmm, time. Now mm -hmm, I was a teenager, mm -hmm. but there were many times when I couldn't get a babysitter early in the morning, so mm -hmm. I I was able to just use the at home okay. studio. Okay. And I was working so much doing Zooms and community organizing mm -hmm. and elections. So I was busy. Um, I still put on a couple pounds. I don't know how you got through the whole this pandemic the with after. no weight. This is the after. You should have seen me when I was calling in. <laughs> it was not a good scene. <laughs> I was like chips and dip. And yes. I mean, because that's the boredom piece. I can't mm -hmm. go out, I'll have cake. Yeah, right. right? So I had a lot of cake mm -hmm. and um, and I did a lot of radio, and we had high school at home, which is oh, not joy. Yeah, good luck. But yeah, we get through. Yeah, it. very nice, very nice. So we're back now, and uh, I do. I've been doing lightning round with all of uh, with our guests. Uh, so I have a couple lightning round questions for okay. you. So we're back. We're having concerts. If you're gonna have a festival, uh, who are the three headliners that you pick? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> three headliners: Solange. Okay. Jeez. Um, mm, Kendrick Lamar. Nice. Um, Marvin Gaye. Nice. <laughs> I'll take it. It's all make believe. I'll, I'll make believe. Your uh, your favorite community restaurant. I know you might have to pick between your advertisers. But <laughs> no, I, I go with my palate. Swift okay. is my favorite. Oh, you love Swift. Okay, it's right here. Swift. It's next. We're next yeah, door to Swift. Yeah, young sister, delicious food. Yeah, loves that Swift. is that is uh, really really great food. They were part of our. Um, our senior meal program we did during the pandemic, uh, yes. they really stepped up. Thank and you was, for saving them. Yes, because, well, <laughs> that was it was true with a lot of our restaurants, but Swift was especially good because they can do low sodium and all the things that seniors need that some of our other uh, restaurants had to learn how to do during the pandemic. Uh, they were like right there with it, like, you know, low glycemic. They had all the diets in the world. It was, it was amazing. Those, They are, are wizards there. All right, so uh, it has uh, been uncanny for me to sit with Dominique Duprima and be asking the questions uh, instead of being asked the questions. And uh, we can't take calls here, so we can't hear from uh, Molly Bell or, or the, or the <laughs> fr folks in the front page family. But I, I definitely want to get a few questions in and, and um, answer questions from Dominique. So with that, uh, the host of the morning drive time on KBLA, Dominique Duprima. Well... I feel better because I was really nervous being interviewed by this is the first time you've ever interviewed me yeah, so that was yeah. nerve-wracking now I maybe I'll be more empathetic next time you come in so um how what is the pull between council member Marquise Harris Dawson and MHD from South LA you know it's it that's a very good question I thank you for asking it's you know it's very tough uh it's um 
elected officials for the most part are not people I identify with or like a group that, you know, a club you want to join. It's part of uh, being an activist, which, you know, MHD is the activist. Sometimes you get tapped on to play another role. And so that's the role that we're playing. So I do the best I can. You know, I was just at a press conference this morning with uh, other black electeds and they were like, oh my gosh, Marquise has on a suit and a tie and it's tied all the way to the top. Oh my goodness. Because it's just not my, not my, uh, not my jam. But I do love serving the people and being able to deliver for the folks um you know just small things like if you can you know get a light put up in an alley for a senior who feels like i can't drive back here at night and i got this program i want to go to like that just that does everything uh everything for me and it and it makes all of the negative parts of it more than worth it so you talked about my involvement in the gang intervention movement, mm -hmm. and I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Summer of Success, which yes. is spearheaded yes. by uh, now Congresswoman Karen mm -hmm. Bass, along with uh, Bob Ross, uh, Martin Ludlow, uh, then council member um, Bruce Saito from the mm -hmm. Conservation mm -hmm. Corps, mm -hmm. and of course the Community Coalition. Mm -hmm. um, so talk to me about your involvement. And, and part of that involvement, I think, has to do with your work at the Community Coalition and your mentorship with Congresswoman Karen Bass. That's right. Um, you know, at Community Coalition, I was an organizer. Karen hired me uh, when I was very young to be an organizer there. And we always have put forward and continue to put forward the notion that the way you deal with crime and violence in the community is you make sure people's basic needs are met and you make sure that folks are engaged and you don't leave people out to, to and just let's see what happens when we put everybody out there. And so summer of success, uh, the it was the election of Martin Ludlow to the Los Angeles City Council. So we had a council member that was there um, that believed in the same thing and was willing to put some political capital on the line. And so he did that and, and uh, Karen was able to help wrestle, you know, round up some money. Uh, so that we could engage the interventionists, have youth programming all night during the weekend, uh, and have intervention and in case management for folks who were struggling or had issues, and also conflict resolution and safe passage and all that. And so uh, we were able to take an area that had 16 homicides the summer before, and then that summer of success with you there, we had zero homicides. And we only had one or two shootings, which was a significant drop. Um, and that now has become a citywide uh, program. Uh, and so it's called Summer Night Lights Now, and uh, it survived two mayors, uh, which is good. If program survives two mayors in the city, then you know it's something that's going to stick. Oh, good. Um, so it's so it's there, and it's all it's not just in South LA now. It's all over, and everywhere you get very very similar results um, because the concept is one that works. We're now in a process of trying to make it not just a summer program. So we're saying, you know, it, it get it starts getting warm around March and it stays warm till about Thanksgiving. So we ought to have it the entire time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we'll continue to work on it on it. And it's very, very exciting. And I remember this is part of the work you were involved with. Part of that was canvassing the neighborhood. That's right. That that door to door. That's right. Roll up the sleeves, community mm -hmm. organizing. I mm -hmm. mean, we hear about Barack Obama being a community yeah. organizer. Um, I think, you know, people I think of who are lawmakers that started that way are Karen Bass mm -hmm. and yourself. Yeah. No, I, you know, I think that's right. Door to door work, talking to people, you know, and it's very different to get caricatures of what our people think than it is to actually talk to our people. Because our people are, you know, they're all over the place in terms of their opinions, their experience, their history, just like anybody else. Uh, and so that's it. There's no replacement for that. I, I say that to this day 
have the conversation with the people directly, see what they think, see what their hopes and dreams are, and see what they're willing to do. Because a lot of our folks are willing to do lots, but nobody ever asks. Uh, and so going to, there's no replacement for door-to-door -door work. And I, and I, to this day, I still love it. Uh, so we're in a town that has pretty robust uh, black media. We have not just one newspaper, we have a handful of newspapers. We don't just have one radio station, we have a handful of radio stations. Uh, you played a central role in black media in this city uh, for a generation now. Uh, can you talk about what you think the role of black media is uh, in shaping the political debate and, and engaging folks? Yeah, so I think it's a little bit of a cliche, but the South Africans say, you know, until the lion has his historian, the hunter will always be the hero. Mm -hmm. So the role of black media is to be the historian of the lion. If our mm -hmm. community is the lion, someone's got to tell the story from our perspective. Mm -hmm. And you're right, Los Angeles and Southern California has more black media than most, even more than the Bay Area, as right. much as I hate to admit it. <laughs> um, but still, we, we do only have two radio stations that are owned by black people right, and right. no television stations yeah, that are owned by true. black people. It's very rare. It's less than 1% ownership mm -hmm. nationwide. It's like 180 out of 11,000 radio stations, I heard. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, yeah. So it's really important. We don't. I remember when I worked for a mainstream uh, company and I, and I went in and pitched the news director on the story I wanted to do about Native Americans. And he said, well, you, you already did a Native American story this year. I'm like, oh, I only get to do one a year. <laughs> like, whereas when you work for black media, whether mm -hmm. I'm working with Stevie Wonder or Tavis Smiley, I don't even have to pitch. But if right. I do, you're pitching to someone that already can mm -hmm. relate because mm -hmm. they're rooted in the, in the community. Mm -hmm. And, and what do you think are our strengths and weaknesses with, return to black, with regard to black media in LA, besides there not being enough of it, especially in the television? I think our strengths are that we are mm -hmm. not just in the community, we actually are the community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, we're close to the issues. I think we're pretty unafraid as far as far as putting out issues whether or not any mainstream media ever carries it, it or right. cares and many times they do but only after we've been talking about it for six months or whatever so i think mm -hmm. that's a real strength um and i think we've got some real quality journalists here mm -hmm. i think oh we have a lot of weaknesses many of them are driven by lack of resources mm -hmm. right um, because we are shunned by advertisers or they want to say oh well i can get that same audience on ESPN, why do I need black radio? Mm -hmm. Or why do I need black newspapers? Um, so we, we suffer from a lack of resources, which sometimes make us um, understaffed. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we don't do as much coverage as I would like to see, um, maybe of national and international issues, because mm -hmm. we don't have the resources to do so. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I mean, I think there's also, um, sometimes we, we don't, um, I don't think we, push ourselves to expand beyond our community and impacting other communities mm -hmm. the way that we maybe could. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Say more about that. Well, you know, I've heard this a lot on the radio. Um, we, you're always talking about collaboration or, or you know, um, coalition between mm, right. black and brown, but I never hear Latino people talking about collaboration with us. Yeah. Well, actually, that's not true, mm -hmm. but how would we know? Because we're right. not there, we're not in the space. Um, and, and maybe it's not as much as we'd like it to be, mm -hmm. but it does exist. And I do think it would exist more. Let's say we, you know, we did a collaboration uh, with an Asian or, or Latinx media outlet where we were exposing them to our audience and they were getting exposed to our audience and our issues.
Yeah, no, that's that's actually very, very fascinating. So have you had occasion to do multiracial work, uh, radio work? I'm actually really fascinated by that um, Yeah, I mean, it's something I try to do all the time by mm -hmm. who I invite on my shows and by how, you know, at The Beat, we did a lot of that. We would do broadcasting from inside of um, juvenile halls right. and, you know, all, uh, you know downtown, uh, in Latinx communities and black communities. At one point, we did a co-broadcast with K-Rock, which is primarily white, talking about affirmative action. We I remember were, that. Yeah. You know, those kinds of collaborations. And we've done some of that um, with KJLH. I think the KBLA offers an opportunity yes. because um, there's no progressive station for women, for Asian people, for Latino people, for Arab American people, for indigenous people. And KBLA is black owned and operated, but we are open to all mm -hmm. and we are about progressive politics. It's, it's not just about identity politics. Mm -hmm. Otherwise we could have a show hosted by Clarence Thomas or right. Larry Elder, right. which yeah, is part. never going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think this is a real opportunity for coalition building and for unity building. Yeah, no, that's exciting because uh, LA has lots of lots and lots and lots of eth ethnic media. And I think uh, we there always is a concern that black folks are leading the conversation on coalition building. But, you know, we, we have to create opportunities for other people to step up. And having a radio station like KBLA uh, is a really good way to do that. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dominique, for coming on the program. Uh, I uh, really appreciate being having the opportunity to interview you. But most of all, appreciate what you've represented so far and, and what you will do in the community. You've been just a beacon uh, for <laughs> all of us. And, uh, you know, everybody that I know from every stripe uh, that is about creating a better tomorrow for our people uh, their their path goes through you oh thank uh, you and so uh, i truly truly appreciate you know you. I, I gotta ask you something though mm -hmm. since you played me rapping yes. on your show i mean do you have any bars mhd i do not have bars really? I, I that's why there's not a, even like performance poetry not even there's a, the, no a monologue no, a song have, i talk with my hands so like that's why there's a, that's why there's a techniques turntable on the logo because i spin but i do not oh, get on the mic it. at all okay well you gotta um, invite me to a party where yes you're so i'm gonna spin <laughs> very soon in the Burnt Park at Destination uh, at the, Crenshaw yes, at Utopia soon. Mic. So okay, when I get good, my good, when good. I get my set times, I'll tell you. I'll Thank let you know so you yes. can come through. Dominique, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast and having a great conversation on the future of communication in our community. You follow in the footsteps of those broadcasting who capture our history, the memories of Black people, and as Barbara Savage put it in Broadcasting Freedom, the living political argument of Black history. I so much appreciate your time and we all appreciate your service to South LA. You've left us with a lot to think about when it comes to this information age, how it intersects with black culture. With a 24-hour news cycle and information available at our fingertips, how can black media help push our agenda forward? And as consumers of media, what do we need to think about before we click, before we share, and definitely before we comment? Sexism! is everybody's problem we must change our attitudes so we can keep evolving to end injustice that's the plan and you must understand if you're a man because how can you challenge and despise a problem you can't even recognize and i'm not just talking to the nation of hip-hop worldwide sexism must be stopped in the boardroom in the classroom on the radio it's absurd to the current sexism must go in the movies magazines and yes on tv we must insist on equality which is not to say we want to be men but if you think you're superior we're moving by the minute into the next century. It's time to get busy and deal with equality. Let a man be a man, let me be me.
she looks fine, don't assume she's loose if I'm feeling good and dress a little sexy. Why should I need a pit bull to protect me? Playing games, calling names, that's just not the way to live. You gotta come sincere from the heart and be positive. Most women I know want a man who's intelligent, who shares and who cares that her opinions are relevant. We come back once again to the need for respect, cause every human being is more than an object. Free.